Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Hey there, welcome to I See You, episode six. Do I see what you see? We have a super awesome guest today that I'm really excited about who has an incredible story to share. First, I want to share a review with you that I received on Apple. This review is from mol.ly, so I think Molly. I love Julie's theme in her podcast of I See You and how she ties it in so beautifully in each episode. Her podcast has really helped me to stop and look around me at others who may be struggling, and don't we all struggle at times? She is seeing people by doing this podcast, and I'm grateful to be strengthened by it. She also has helped to remind me that we are all connected in our journeys and that when I struggle, I am not alone. And I love that review because I feel like that's the big lie in society today is that when you struggle, you're alone. That's what the voice in our head tells us sometimes. Um, Most of us have felt times when we've suffered. And once you know how to suffer, you are able to empathize with other people. And sometimes that's all it takes for someone to be able to gain the strength to make the changes in their lives that they need to. Thank you for all the positive feedback I've been receiving. I'm trying to crank out these episodes as fast as I can. I try and make sure I always have one up by every Friday, and so far I've been able to do that. I am going to have a couple surprise bonus episodes that will kind of be scattered throughout. So there may be a week when two episodes come out at once. You'll just have to wait and see, but that's kind of a teaser for what's coming up. That leads us into introducing our very special guest today, Davin. Hi, Davin. Hello. I'm excited to have Davin here today because him and his wife are our really good friends. Her name is Shantae, and his wife and I actually met when in our church, we there's a lounge where moms can feed their babies, and that's where we met, and we decided we should be friends. Luckily, our husbands get along super well, and our kids get along even better. It's kind of like how you go on first dates with people. Once you're married, and especially then when you have kids... If the families don't all get along, it's hard to hang out. But with our families, everybody loves each other. So it works out really well. Shantae is also awesome because she is actually the photographer that does the cover art of the podcast. I've slowly learned more and more about Davin as I've gotten to know him better and more about his life so far. And I've just been really amazed at his unique journey to become the man he is today. And he comes across to me as a very confident person that's really full of light I've been surprised to hear what his journey has been to come to that point. It is not what I would have thought. So I appreciate having his perspective today on the podcast. So thanks for being here today, Davin. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. You told me once, your brother had once said to you that there were five different Davins that he has seen. Can you tell me about those five different Davins? I think what he meant was there's was, there was a Davin that he, he grew up with. So we shared a room together. There's, there's that Davin that he knew all growing up. Uh, and then there was the post-high school Davin, which is very different. A lot of similarities and definitely a lot of influences for the post-high school Davin from the from the high school and, and before Davin. And then there was kind of the freshman year of college Davin that was very different. And then there was what we might call the mission Davin, which the mission for us, I refer to a, a time of service that we give for, for our church. Uh, and then there was the the post the post Davin after that mission after I returned came back to the university and and we might even say there's what a sixth Davin now as, as husband <laughs> husband and father with with uh, Shantae because she's definitely changed me a lot. You just cloning you keep cloning I, yeah, into keep, yeah. more hopefully, fruit hopefully versions the, of yourself. The, yeah, hopefully the clones are getting better. But. <laughs> 
there's all these different Davins. Will you talk to me about the high school Davin? That's the one I was kind of surprised to hear about. Yeah, most people are. Most people meet me now and they see me. At, I mean, I'm 6'4". Sometimes I look like I'm in pretty good shape, even though I'm not. Um, <laughs> you chose almonds over M&M's, so that's a good sign, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a hard task. Um, <laughs> but most people think, well, he, he was clearly a jock, a basketball player. He played football in high school. They, did, they would never guess that I had I have this backstory that I have because it really is. The person I am today is completely different than who I was high school and, and post high school. So high school, I was uh, I was heavier. I was probably 60 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I was 6'1", so I mean, height doesn't really matter. But I had shaggier hair. I just did a part down the one side, very old school, kind of classic haircut, but definitely not uh, modern or fashionable. Bought my clothes at the cheapest stores. I was never one that understood fashion. Even even today, Shantae still has to give Dress me a lot you. of yeah, give me a lot of pointers. The high school Davin was just kind of clueless. I didn't really have a lot of direction or understanding, social cues. I had I had a good group of friends. There were just a lot of things that I, I looked around at other people that I was in high school with that they seemed to have figured out and things were going for them that for some reason just didn't click with me or I just didn't understand where I was coming from. So I tried a lot of things to fit in or find my, my path or, or my niche or whatever you want to call it. And I come from a larger family, so I had five siblings that preceded me in high school. All of them did really well academically, really smart. Um, for the most part, all of them had a great great group, group of friends, pretty popular, confident, confident siblings. And I came around as kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. I mean, I did well in school, I had decent grades and things like that, but not not the caliber that my my, my siblings had. So one thing I tried doing is, well, I tried I tried football in high school, and and I like sports and I like to watch them. But I tried football, but again, I was an overweight kid. I was out of shape. I didn't understand the ins and outs of the games. I didn't fit that crowd either. And so I was trying to do high school, just trying to make friends, trying to open up, and it just wasn't working. The coach was not. Uh, coach didn't want me there. That was obvious. And the players, I was just a nuisance, really. And so I ended up quitting uh, my freshman year of high school. I ended up quitting football. I played one set of downs in, in our first game, and, and that was it. And and the main reason I quit, the football was getting, actually getting easier. The, the practices were getting easier, and I started to understand things. Uh, but the way I was treated wasn't getting any better. And I realized that I'm never really going to play. I just realized that's just not my thing. It's not going to make... It's not really going to make me happy, I guess is what I what I thought. So I quit. That ended up being the starting point of really separating me from a lot of a lot of people in high school. Again, I still had good friends, but a much smaller crowd. I ended up doing the arts, did drama, and I did theater productions, which in my high school, smaller high school, that was very looked down upon, kind of outcast kind of things. Um, for example, I would be in PE class, physical education, with these guys that some some of the guys that were on the football team. Um, we would do exercises where we'd have to run around the track and they would, you know, the teacher would time us. And then in two or three weeks, we'd do it again. We had to beat our time. Teacher would put us up against two or three students. Well, there's a couple of high school kids. They always, they always picked me. They always said, well, I'm going to race against, I'm going to race against Davin because I know I can beat him. And then, and clearly they did. They're way better shape than I was. So they'd beat me and then everybody would laugh and kind of snicker and they, you know, they'd look at me and then they'd make fun of how slow I was because I couldn't run very fast and things like that. 
in the hallways, uh, just another example of boy, I, I remember passing kids in the hall and they would intentionally make sure they made their way to me so they could, you know, bump the shoulders or push me or, or whatever. So that really happens. Like I see that in movies where, you know, the, the mean jock goes and like pushes the kid yeah, with the shoulder, yeah. but that really happens. Oh yeah. 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 It happened all the time. All the time. That freshman and sophomore year, especially since those are such awkward, awkward years anyway. Um, that's, those are kind of some of the things that happen. There are a lot of other things that happen. Some of the stuff I, you know, I can't repeat some of the language that was, that was said, but I think that's common stuff that we see in bullying nowadays. You know, that really affects somebody is you start to believe those things and you start to look at that as, man, maybe that's who I am. I'm this out of shape. I have no talent. I have no skills. You know, I have no friends. You don't know where you're going. But at the same time, you try really hard to fit in. And I still had great experiences in high school and I still had good friends and things like that. But it was very confusing because I'm looking at, I focused so much on how other people were viewing me and a lot of that was negative and, and hard. Okay, so bullied a little bit in high school. Sounds like you're having a hard time figuring out who you are and really affected obviously by how other people are seeing you. What was the transition like from high school to after high school? Since I didn't really understand who I was in high school or I put too much emphasis on how other people viewed me and I believed how they viewed me, that really affected my confidence going out of high school. For example, you know, I, I decided to go to a junior college just like my siblings did, continue my education, but I just didn't have the confidence or the faith that I was actually going to get good grades or that I'd actually do well and I'd probably drop out anyway. So I decided not to go at first. So why did you feel that way? Was that because of the things that were said to you in high school or was it because of your own behavior? A, a combination of both. A lot of it was I I had a hard time connecting education and what I was learning to real world. How is this really going to matter? I never had a problem with, with working. I worked at a, at a grocery store all through high school. I worked several jobs after high school. And I always knew learning was important and I liked to learn. But to learn in the model of education, I, I just didn't quite understand how that worked. But I would place more emphasis on the fact that, you know, I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I, what I wanted to, who I wanted to be, where I was going to go. And a lot of people don't know that going into university or college, but I, I just didn't feel anything at all what, what I should do. And so I just pulled out altogether. A lot of that transitioned into me just being a really lazy post-high school kid. Sometimes when you're bullied or you don't have a lot of self-confidence or a lot of self-esteem, you look for ways to escape reality. And for me, one of those ways, I, I would just watch TV or watch movies. That was my thing. Is if, if I could go to work and then just go home and watch TV or watch movies for hours, and just escape the reality of who I was and what I experienced as and I could avoid the, que the big questions of what are you going to do with your life or how are you going to improve, things like that. I know when me and your wife have talked before, she talked about, about that time kind of being an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Why would you call it an identity crisis? Because if you were to ask, well, who are you? If you were to ask me that question, who are you? Describe yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I would have just focused on weaknesses at that time. Wow. I, I, I would have had a no, no ability to describe myself outside of that. What kind so, of things do you think you would have said about yourself? Uh, well, not smart, not intelligent. I couldn't take a test to save my life. Inability. I had a lot of social anxiety, a lot of social ability to talk with people. I remember after high school trying to look for a job where my parents were living. I would drive up to places and they'd even have a now hiring sign. And all I was doing is going in and asking for an application. I couldn't even do that. It was really hard just to go in and say, hey, are you hiring? Can I have an application? I couldn't even do that. I was just so terrified of people. Do you think a lot of really that came struggled. from the bullying? I think a lot of underlying factors are there. 
Sure. And a lot of that also, you know, just comes from not being confident in who I was. Right. And, but also, again, post high school, Davin didn't understand reality. Now I'm looking at that like, why didn't I just go in? Like, everybody asked for jobs. Everybody asked for It's normal. It's everyday life. Right. But, but post high school, Davin didn't have that grasp on reality. Yeah. It sounds like it was a little bit crippling for you that you couldn't even just go ask for an application. Yeah. Simple tax. Yeah. Before we started the interview, you said right after high school is probably the worst part. Right. I think a lot of that is, as I look back on it now, and I remember reading some journals I had from that time. I read them a few years ago. Uh, unfortunately, I've forgotten a lot about that time, but it, it just seemed like a black hole and there was no way of getting out of it. And so I would say it's the darkest time because I had no, I had no direction. I had no path of getting out. Every day was the same. And it, it you know, lasted a few years where I would go to work. I would just come home and, and that was it. That was, that was my entire life. Not a lot of friends, not a lot of social interactions, not a lot of maybe what we'd call progress where I'm developing skills or going out and enjoying nature or enjoying life. It was just this plateau of I was alive and I was breathing and I wouldn't say my life was terrible or anything, but there was nothing to it. There wasn't a lot of meaning there. In my last episode, I talk about being in a hole and what that feels like. One of the things that really helps me to not feel like I get completely consumed by that is is my beliefs, right? My beliefs in sure. like those big questions of why am I here? What am I doing? Did you feel like you had any answers to those yeah. big questions? No, and that's another where the, another part where the identity crisis comes in, where I grew up in a very active Christian family. Right when I graduated high school, my parents uh, had removed themselves from, from the faith that we'd been raised in and pulled out completely. And they tried to influence a lot of us younger children and talk to us. And that, that put me through a loop as well because it was... You're growing up, you rely so much on your parents for not just temporal things like food and shelter and, and clothing and things like that, but also a lot of mental security and emotional security. And in this case, religious security, which would encompass all of that. So that brought another identity crisis of, well, do I believe what I've been raised to believe this whole time? Do I follow them now? I've been following them this far and now they're going completely other direction. So do I go on my own? Do I follow my siblings who are going to stay in the faith? It was a matter of like, where do I go? Because there are so many paths you can take, so many so many beliefs out there. That actually influences a lot of, of how I thought of myself. Did not have any way of knowing how to get out of it. I had no way of, it's like, well, I'll talk to this person because they'll know. Usually you talk to your parents. And I just didn't have that anymore. And if I could, a lot of my friends, they were off to college now. They were off doing their own things. So there wasn't a reliable person, I felt like anyway at that time, that I could go up to and say, here's what I'm struggling with, here are my doubts, here are my concerns, and that could say, okay, here's what you should do, or here's what I think, you know what I mean, to, to build up your confidence or at least give you some paths to look at to keep you in a right. good place. Yeah, Like some role model to kind of pattern your life yeah, after that. Role model or mentor, way. sure. So I see you now, obviously something changed because you don't have shaggy hair and those things. You have a really pretty wife and really adorable children and you're confident. You're talking on a podcast, right? Before you can mm -hmm. even ask for a job application. So how did other people see you that helped you to change mm -hmm. the way you saw yourself? Yeah. I hadn't really experienced compassion before, um, you know, really post high school Davin. Before that, there were a lot of people that were nice to me and they were great people. I had a lot of amazing people to look up to growing up. But like true compassion, I hadn't really seen that until probably six months after high school, I started working again at a store just because that's something that I knew. I knew it was something that I could do. It was safe. So either I could escape reality 
if I wanted to, which I tried to do, or if I had to be in reality, I was going to be in a safe area that I knew I could I could control and I could be a part of. So it was still really hard to go ask for the job at this store. I was like, I can work here because I've done this before. So I'm confident enough that I can do it again. And started working with a couple of guys and and I'm fresh out of high school. Both of them are married. One had two kids at the time, I think. Uh, the other one, his wife was pregnant at the time. And it was amazing to me that as we got to know each other, we were different people, but there didn't seem to be any differences between us. And what I mean by that is, I mean, we disagreed about things, but I would tell them something about myself or I would, you know, we're human. We say something dumb or I'd make a mistake at work. It just wouldn't even phase them. It was kind of amazing. It's hard to describe. It's like love, love and acceptance without any conditions. Right. You know, as we, as we talked about my life and as we're going through things, I remember telling them some things that I never told anybody before and their face just didn't change and their countenance didn't ch- Nothing changed about them. And that's why I was like, that's interesting. Because you hadn't experienced that before. Yeah. Because before, you know, people say things like, I can't believe you would do that. You know, the, the, that shaming type of attitude, which compassion cannot exist with shaming at all. It just, those two can't go hand. They can't go together. It's truth. They That's can't. truth. You have to, you, you're either compassionate, even a little bit of shame is going to take all compassion out. So Amen. That, that's Amen. one of the things that I had been experiencing. Whereas with these guys, is I kind of realized, it's like, huh, like, you're okay with that. You're okay with how I am. You're okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You're human. Right. It makes, made, it makes sense that you would make silly mistakes. Yeah, why, so why, why, should I, why should I be shocked that you've made mistakes? Right. And that's really what it was. And, and I had, I've never seen that before. I've never Just seen, like normalizing yeah. it for you. So, I, you know, we'd have these discussions and then it'd be like, great, well, hey, we're still on for Xbox night or, or whatever. Didn't phase them at all. Just, it just didn't matter. When I, as I think about that more, I look at them and they're definitely not perfect people. And, and, um, we definitely wreaked havoc in that store that we worked at. Just, you know, we, we were a couple of guys working in a store, but as I look at it now, as I realized one reason why they're able to view me just as a human being, a good person, not perfect, but no reason not to, you know, be friends or be nice to be nice to me. And I think that came from the fact that they knew who they were. Yes, they were very aware of their weaknesses. They were very aware of mistakes that they've made. They're also very confident in who they were and very confident that they still had strengths, they still had worth, and they still had value or that they knew anyway. If you really want to understand who you are, you have to understand that your weaknesses have to be there with your strengths. They have to go together. Right. And that's how those weaknesses become the strengths. You can't focus just on your strengths and you can't focus just on your weaknesses. It's just being self-aware of the point of this is who I am. I'm totally comfortable with it and I'm confident. I'm still improving and I'm trying to be better, but I know who I am. And I think that makes it easier for them to see other people as they are and, and just accept them because they know it's like, I'm not any better than you. You're not any better than me. We're just people. Right. It's like the black and white that we ta- that I talked about on the last episode. There's right. not It's not good people and bad people separated. It's right. all of us have strengths, all of us have weaknesses, all of us have mistakes, all of us have victories, and we're all part of the human population and that makes us the same. Yeah. You think about it. Are we like, we're different people, but we are the same. We're all equal. Maybe I've made certain choices that other people haven't made, but that goes both ways. In the end, we're all just trying our hardest to to be happy and, and enjoy the life we've been given. And we're all deserving of that compassion and that acceptance without conditions. Did you start seeing yourself a little bit differently? That helped a lot. No, and the other thing, you know, each of these Davins, it takes a long time. Knowledge is good. It's good. And, you know, everybody knows what they should do. That doesn't mean there's going to be that initiative or that incentive to actually do it. Sometimes it takes a while to process. 
and it changed, but that definitely helped. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, within the next year, I, I did apply to go back to college. Transferred up to another university in, in northern Utah, and I did, I did great. And started branching out and having friends and, and enjoying the social life of, of college, which brought that new, the next Davin, I don't know, whatever we want to call that. <laughs> but a lot of that stemmed from really seeing myself for who I was, not not the negative person that the kids bullied me for or because they saw me in a certain way and that's all that they wanted to focus on in high school. And that's high school, you can't blame them for that. But seeing how they saw me, now I could look in the mirror and be like, yep, here's who you are, the good and the bad, and that's okay. And that's okay. Because we're gonna work on increasing the good and we're gonna work on changing the bad. And that's gonna take time, but you've got people now that are gonna support you. There are people that can focus on the good and help you get through the bad. And that's what really kind of made that big shift to, okay, now I can be confident and then start looking towards, okay, how am I gonna be self-reliant? How am I gonna not depend so much on these perceptions that other people have? Especially because most of the time, don't really understand who people are, where they're coming from. We see something somebody does or something somebody says, and we judge them so hard for it in the moment until you learn their backstory. You actually learn more right. about them. And then all of a sudden, that's where the compassion comes in because you have that empathy with them. And it's, it's hard to hate someone when you're close up to their situation. It's a lot easier to stand back and look at someone and make all sorts of judgments. But once you get close up, you hear their voice, you see how they have a family to... Yeah. You you learn some humility really quick. I don't know how many times I've said something or thought something, and then I get a little more information, and I'm like, oh, yep. I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong. Yeah, until you meet them. Usually because when we meet them, that's when we realize, okay, I'm not better than them. They're not better than me. We, we really are the same. We are all we really, just humans. We really are the same, yeah. How did that help you become the Davin you are today? What, what kind of changes and decisions did you make? You went to school. It sounds like you mm -hmm. you got better at the social thing, made, you know, friends. Yeah, made friends. There's still people that didn't like me, I'm sure. There's still people that probably said stuff about me behind my back. And people right? do that all the time. We can't Absolutely. we can't please everybody. Yes. And, and we shouldn't try to. We should always try to treat people with respect. But it's a matter of understanding, you know, sometimes it's not their fault. They're perceiving you that way way. So I started just making decisions based off, well, this is what I want. This is what I see the best path for me. Or even better than that is this is really going to help this person. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that or, or whatever. It's helped a lot. And now being a high school teacher, that's, that's the number one lesson that I tell my high school kids is you guys have got to stop caring so much about what other people say. You can say what you want because I know who I am. But if it's something that's just going to make me feel bad, it's going to bring me down. That's not I, useful I, to me. Yeah, I now have the power to ignore that. Whereas high school dab and post-high school dab didn't have that power. Well, and it's almost like those kids that you worked with at the, at the store, they gave you permission to have that power. It's like yeah. they handed it to you. Of And I didn't know I could have it before. Right, you and, didn't even and, know it existed. Right, until I saw that from them and I said, oh. And it's just so much more freeing. Yeah, that you can challenge your thinking. You don't, you don't have to accept everything that comes in. So you went on to do something pretty cool. You figured out who you were, and mm -hmm. you went on to do something that wasn't about you. What'd you do? So I went, uh, like I said, in the, in, in the Church of Jesus Christ, we often serve two-year missions, a lot of youth from the age of 18 to 25. Uh, you leave your family and your friends, and, and you just go and, and serve others. And that was something where, again, I think to be self-aware, to be really confident and have compassion, there has to come a point where you stop thinking about yourself and you stop focusing on yourself and you put others first, that really boosts your self-confidence. It really boosts your self-awareness because you also have to realize it's not always about you. It really, life is also about other people around us and making them 
feel good and feel loved and having compassion. But I also think that we can't quite get to that point of truly helping other people if we're a mess ourselves. Right? You can't yes. lift somebody higher than, than where you are. The process still had to happen, I think, the same way for me to discover myself. And then I could see how hey, I could turn this around and maybe help others the same way other people have helped me. Davin, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone struggling to figure out who they are, someone going through an identity crisis, what would you tell them? It can be more than one piece. Okay. <laughs> it can be a smattering. A lot of times we will discover who we are by putting others before ourselves. We do need to build that self-confidence. We do need to be self-aware before we can really go out and start lifting others and helping others. But that's not to say we can't start with something today. Sometimes when we go out and put others before ourselves, happiness is almost just a byproduct of choosing to put others before you. And again, I think go back to high school Davin, post high school Davin, I was so focused on myself. That just brings you down if that's all you're thinking about and you're constantly concerned about yourself. If you take some time to say, I'm just going to forget myself for a moment. I'm going to go think about this person. I'm going to go mow their lawn or I'm going to go help them. Whatever it is, that at least gets you out of this rut or that black hole we might talk about, that that darkness of who am I? Because that's just... It really is a black hole. It just keeps sucking you in. Who am I? What am I doing? It, it just never ends. You can stop for a minute, put somebody else in front of you, focus on them. That's a great starting point to really discovering who you are. It's also a great starting point of feeling a little bit of happiness. And really, that's what we all really need to start progressing and moving forward. We all just need some moment of peace to be like, okay, how can I replicate that again? How did I do that the first time? How did I find that happiness? Oh, I helped this person. Well, okay, I'll go help somebody else again. You just keep perpetuating. What makes me happy? I'm going to keep doing that. And then you keep finding more doors and things like that to go through. I agree. I feel like the key is you have to find yourself to be able to give of yourself to other people. Right. Once you're able to have a foundation and find yourself a little bit, you're able to find the best parts and the the most true form of yourself in that service of other people. I talked about in episode three with my sister, Amy, about motherhood, how it's easy to feel that I'm getting lost in motherhood. But on the flip side, when I take care of myself first, I then have found myself in motherhood because I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to the person that I'm meant to be. And that person is serving other people. Right. That's who I'm meant to be. Yeah. We have a negative connotation on sacrifice a lot where you look at mothers are the ultimate example of sacrifice. So I look at Shantae, my wife, there are a lot of hard days where she really could use a moment to herself and then we'll talk through it. But she'll say every time, it's like, well, I wouldn't trade it though, because yeah, there's moments of frustration, but there's just endless joy in being a mother. Exactly. I don't think you can have that without just that constant giving of yourself. Whereas, again, going back to who I was before, when I was just focused on myself, there's not a lot of joy there because it's just all you, 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 you. Nobody wants to be around that person and there's not a lot you can do if you're just stuck in that trap. The more you give you to yourself and then find yourself, well, that's where the joy can come from. Well, and Davin, going back to that question of do I see what you see? So now I see someone who knows who he is, someone who's not perfect but who is confident in who he is exactly how he is. Is that what you see now? You yeah. see yourself that way now? And I see somebody also that's okay with who I am. You have to accept yourself. I think high school, Davin, post high school, they didn't, didn't want to accept who I was, wasn't okay with it. Um, we should always be looking to improve and do better. But there has to be a, I'm okay with how I am and it's okay to be who I am. How am I going to improve and be happy then? And once you can do that, that's, a, that's another huge step. That's when you can really make change. When you finally are willing to accept yourself how you are, then you're unstoppable because you take those strengths and you harness all that energy. You were trying to be someone else and you just harness sure. it in what you're good at. 
and it becomes your superpower. That's what I tell little kids all the time when I go talk to them about self-acceptance is just that they can, you know, they look at what they're good at and if they can really push themselves in those areas and not stress so much about everything else, yeah. they're unstoppable. And in, in the end, we're all responsible for our own lives. And, you know, we often say life isn't fair. Something happened that just wasn't fair. That happens, but it's a matter of looking at, well, what am I going to do about it? Still taking control. Exactly. You and validate the feelings. Yes, that happened. Yes, that was hard. Yeah. So nope. like accept yourself and accept things as they are, but that doesn't mean you have to stay. You know, you don't have to move in. You can always find a different way to go or find a way to, to get better or, or to grow. Davin, thank you for being here. Thank you for marrying a really cool wife that I could meet and be friends with. <laughs> You're welcome. You did a good job. <laughs> Thanks. All right, let's wrap up episode six. Bullying is obviously a huge problem in our schools today, and I think that we can see that. We can see the emotional turmoil going on for students, especially as we see the increase in school shootings and havoc being created in the public school system. I personally feel like we should be teaching compassion and how to connect to people in reality in every school, that we see each other more fully, and especially that kids are taught specifically on how to do that as our world does become more technologically advanced and it is easier for kids to be disconnected from each other and from reality. I know that it's important that we look at people in the face when we talk to them, that we touch their shoulders, that we acknowledge that they are here and that they are present. No matter who they are, the mistakes they've made, every human deserves to feel of worth and importance. And that's something that I am striving to do every day of my life. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, FM Player, and a slew of others I can't remember right now. Thank you for being here. Mwah.